0: Welcome to Coffee with the Coach. Today, we are coming to you live from the big island of Hawaii. And actually, we're live, but this thing will be pre-recorded because Magic Mike wants a chance to make it sexy for all you all out there. Uh, 50-second show, Michael. 52 times we've done this. Is it 52? 52 52? shows. And we are getting bigger and better as we go. I got to ask you, right now, this week, right now in this quote off season but there is no off season in the nfl what's your biggest biggest news item for this week
1: what are you watching close well first off it's 99 days jj watt days to the nfl season before you know what jeff you'll be sitting eating the gregs on a rainy day in london <laughs> in, a, in a couple of months hi everybody hey uh, is it ninety? It's, is
0: it ninety-nine days till? Well, it's like
1: on? it's it's Tuesday at the minute when we're recording. It's a hundred bit ninety-nine days until. Can you believe it? Because like it seems like five minutes ago we were sitting after the Super Bowl. You were sitting on the sofa. I was on Sky. I was tearing up, going, "What am I going to do for the next seven months?" Yeah, and I'm then here. you got then
0: you got hung up with this comedy <laughs> act. <laughs> you haven't been able to. You haven't been able to sleep since. <laughs> Well, you know, to me, you know what I'm watching? I'm watching the quarterbacks, man. I'm watching the quarterbacks because the quarterback carousel has turned. And you think about it: how critical are the first looks we get at Joe Burrow coming back off that knee surgery, you know, Dak Prescott coming off that, that leg surgery that he went through Teddy Bridgewater for your beloved orange and blue Broncos. Is he going to be able to be the starter that they think he can be? You know, I, I mean, you go through the whole league and it's just like, uh, you know, Sam Darnold in Carolina. I mean, we're going to actually start to see these guys work with their teammates. And, you know, really, I think for everybody, the early news has been real positive. You know, I know that they like Sam Darnold in Carolina. Obviously, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater's uh, got to be an upgrade in Denver. Um Jared Goff, I, I think that juries out a little bit there, but the, you know the Lions are saying all the right things. Interesting, Brady may not take part in minicamp, not because he doesn't want to take part, but because of that knee injury. And Bruce said he's going to really watch him, really, really close, and just let him coach. I mean, think about it. He's what is he? He doesn't. He, he doesn't need to throw it, you know, to get better. I know he wants to throw it, but right now, I think it's better that he just. Take care of that knee and come back as healthy and strong as you can, because that you know, that we say time gets everybody, and that's really
1: true. I didn't want to say that, but that it it almost reminds me of Peyton Manning. I remember watching the game; it was against Baltimore. Going, he's done. Oh my God, he's done. He can't do it anymore. I wonder is the same happening? It probably hasn't happened now. Nah, now don't you be a
0: reason. don't be a conspiracy theorist. One
1: thing I will say how about, is how about uh,
0: Matthew? How about Matthew Stafford? How about Matthew Stafford?
1: Sean McVay is really impressed. Oh,
0: is is that's what I'm saying? Is he the piece that's going to take that Rams offense to the next level? Because
1: they're going to be good on defense again. You know they will. It's it's massively exciting, and I think if there's one guy that can get the most out of uh, Matthew Stafford, it will be Sean McVay. I'm going to go back on what you said about Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, like there's been I think second or first day of the second round of OT, second week of OTAs now, the Broncos, and he's. Yeah, he's doing a lot better than Drew Locke, for example. I think on, this is obviously recorded, on Tuesday, Locke had a bad day. T- Teddy B was throwing dimes to and at all, So uh, that could be then and gone. And just hearing about Darnall is interesting. But the one for me, Jeff, before we bring the guest on, Julio Jones, like, where is he going to go? please he hasn't went anywhere by the time the shows went out but where where is he gonna go that's better than that kid's game where's waldo
0: i mean but i still say and i and i said this on inside the huddle that i think tennessee is a logical logical choice and i I would not be surprised if it is tennessee um you know but whoever whoever gets him is going to get a you know going to get a really really good football player and i think he still has enough tread left on his tires to make a huge impact. What a Shout great, out to, yeah. What a, what a what a great great mentor for that young group of receivers
1: in Tennessee. Shout out to the Irish Titans on Twitter, Jeff. Big fans of you and me. Hopefully, that are literally dying for that to happen. So maybe it will happen. Maybe it was here. You're you're in Hawaii. Have you met Aaron yet? I mean, have you have you been partying? Aaron Rodgers, seen Patrick Mahomes? No, he's playing of, golf on, on the Big he, Island. Do we, no, he you know,
0: Mahomes. Uh, Kelsey's over here. Aaron's over here. Uh, Miles Teller, who is a big actor, is <laughs> over here hanging out with those guys. So, uh, no, I don't play golf. And if they don't surf, I don't see him. So, and I don't think Patrick Mahomes surfs, although he should. I think he'd, he'd be he could probably do it one legged. That guy, he's a pretty incredible athlete. Hey. Let's get to our guy and bring out one of the really, really guy, you know, special guys, I think, in National Football League. And he he is the vice president of player uh, engagement with the Seahawks. He is the guy that basically creates the uh, rookie symposium for the National Football League. He runs all that. He is one of the very, very best front office people in the National Football League. And he's a good friend of this show. And that's Maurice Kelly. Welcome to Coffee with a Coach number 52. This is a 52nd edition of the show and today uh, there's not much I can say better about a guy than to call him one of my guys. And that's only a handful of dudes on the world on this planet that get that title and this one right here is one of the original my guys uh player that I had in starting in 1995 in Las Vegas, Nevada a 94 94. I'm sorry, Mo. That's a lot of years ago, a lot of players, <laughs> but uh, a skinny kid out of East Tennessee State that came and made our football team at a great rookie season. And, you know, I don't know if you, I don't know if you really know how that all came about. Do you know the story, how, how you came
2: to us? Well, I remember having conversation with you. I think you were in BC at the time and my agent, Cal Gibron at the time. I don't know if you guys had a relationship or what, but then all of a sudden I, I, I felt like I was going to BC. Then all of a sudden it's like, no, nah, you're going to Las Vegas. I'm like, okay, all right, I guess I'm going to Las Vegas then.
0: <laughs> well, okay. That is all true. And Cal okay. Gibran uh, had played for me at the University of Pennsylvania. His father, Abe, was the legendary head coach of the Chicago Bears go to youtube fans nfl fans go to youtube and check out abe gibron he he was a absolute coaching legend for the bears uh but the reason we found you is because cal had called me about another client that he had donnie abraham who was your teammate at east tennessee state and donnie was getting ready to go play i think it was the blue and blue gray game i think Mm -hmm. and uh Cal asked me if I'd come to Tampa and you know work with him for a weekend, a long weekend, four days, before he went to camp at the Blue Gray game. And so I, I worked with Donnie during that time, and we were watching film, and I kept seeing this long safety running in the alley, and I mean blowing guys up. <laughs> and so I asked him. I said, "Who?" I asked, I asked Donnie. I said, who, "Who is that kid?" And he goes, "Oh, that's my buddy Mo Kelly." And I said, I, and then I asked about you, you know, what, how were you senior, what, and so Cal then got you as a client also. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I said, man, don't, don't send that kid anywhere, but where I'm at, because I want that guy with me. And that, that's, that's how it all happened. I mean, it's crazy, that's but tough. that's how it happened. Hey, I got to ask you, because you were a little late today, Mo, and I'm going to, you know, as your ex, as your ex coach, I'm going to put it on you. What exactly is the fine at the Seahawks for being late for a meeting?
2: We don't ever have anybody late. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually working, you know, so I I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that and say that was a late being tardy or anything like that. I was actually out walking one in my mouth, two things that I'm good at. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm going to tell you something. I know this, right? Because I've known Michael Bennett since he was an 18 year old high school senior that I recruited Uh So I know he couldn't have got through the Seahawks without being late for at least one meeting. That's not possible.
2: Well, let me tell you, when Mike came to us, again, he was humble because he wasn't drafted. And so he was fighting from the ground up, did not have one issue whatsoever. Now, once he made his money, it was a little (laughs) different. (laughs) It's funny how that works. And there were players when they get that, they get the yeah. benjamins in their pocket. But he he was he's really good at not giving giving his money away. I can guarantee you, unless it's for a good cause, you know, with Pele and, and and those four girls at home, he he has money that he needs to spend it on, and that's damn sure not giving it back to the Seahawks.
0: You know what's cool about that, and, and you know because you you jarred a memory there. When I was recruiting Michael, Pele was really the reason we got Mike.
2: Mm. because
0: of her Polynesian background Mm -hmm. and like I got in tight with that family and you know when it's what it's like in recruiting you can recruit the player but you better recruit the the people that have influence on that player Absolutely. and you know it's crazy as 17 year old kids they were they already you could see what direction that relationship was going to go and it's really cool to see him now with that big family that he has he spends a lot of time over here in Hawaii
2: yeah he's, he's always over there he's like the mayor over there I came over and spent some time with them over there, and everybody loves him. I'm like, do they really know you? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying I, to love you like that. <laughs>
0: well, I'm gonna tell you. See, he, okay, I'll tell you, Mike Michael Bennett's story. The University of Hawaii is in spring practice, right? Mm-hmm. And Michael is, you know, living not far away from the campus. He sees him in spring practice, and Nick Rolovich, who was the head coach at the time, told me the story. He looks down. To the defensive side of the practice field, and there's this guy working with the defensive lineman and he's in street clothes, right? And he recognizes the guy looks like a looks like a player, right? But he can't see who, and he walks down there, and it's Mike. He just came out on the practice field, grabbed a couple guys, and was That's putting them through pass rush moves. That's him. <laughs> he is a beautiful dude. Hey, gotta talk to you about, and this is I think going to be really interesting to the listeners, Mo. Um, You are the vice president of what's called player engagement with the Seahawks. Now, talk about what that all entails.
2: Okay, where where do I start? Um, So the whole process of player engagement, it used to be player development. And so when we draft a guy or when we go through the process of drafting a guy, I come into play. You know, what is this guy like? Who, who, Who is this guy off the field? You know, the coaches know who who this guy is as a player. It's my job to find out who he is as a person, you know, his background, uh, who he is, how is he going to fit in in our locker room? Uh, Can we help him develop as a person, as a man, to be the best person, the best teammate that he can possibly be? Our coaches are going to do their jobs, which is to, uh, to get the best out of that player, as a player out of his ability, but then it's my job to be able to help him uh, be a well-rounded individual. So uh, it's my job to help as they transition into the league, the life of, so the day-to-day um, living in the league, uh, family, friends, managing money, managing their time, all the stuff that comes along with being a professional athlete and then helping them as they transition out of the league. So- okay, now.
0: Now see this fascinates me, right? and i and i I knew that that was you know the gist of your your job because it's really multifaceted. And you're probably you probably know more about the Seahawk players and are closer to the Seahawk players than anybody in that building. And I've heard that yep. from a number of guys that it, to go to your office, it's like, you know, it's like you walk in there at any time of the day and there'll be guys in your office just hanging out because they feel comfortable. When you're getting ready to draft the guy, Mo, because players are so sophisticated today. They're so well-trained. They're so, they, you know, they, you know the, the interviews, they, they go through mock interviews. The agents are telling them, you need to say this. And you, how do you find out the real guy? How do you yeah. get in there and get to the real guy?
2: Well, one of the things that I start up, so when, when our season ends, boom, our season is over with. We go to the Super Bowl. We win the Super Bowl. And then the coaches take off right? All I do is I take this hat off and put my other hat on. Now it's time for me to get ready for uh, the senior bowl, which is coming right around the corner. Actually, the senior bowl is when we're the divisional round of the playoffs. So usually I'll take some time off and shoot down for a day or two to get my introduction to the next class, right? So I'll go down, I'll get a chance to see these kids, kind of talk with them a little bit, because this is my first introduction, my face, my name with them, because I'll see them again uh, at the combine, I'll see them again for individual workouts. And so now you're building that rapport, right? And so with that, I go down and I see guys one-on-one. Like if we got a high draft pick, we're a first round draft pick, like let's just say a couple years ago, we were gonna draft a running back. I went out and I saw the 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 top four running backs actually Um, we brought Sonny Michelle in, in in-house. I went and I saw Chubb. I went and saw Darius Geis and I went and saw uh, Penny. Me one-on-one with that player. So I call him up. Hey, I'm, you know, Mo Kelly with the Seahawks. You know, I'm gonna come down and visit with you. You know, don't change anything. I don't want them to change anything. If they're working out that day, that's fine. I'm just gonna meet them where they are, you know? And once their workout is over with and done with, we sit, we talk, we go out to lunch and it's just me and them on their grounds, not bringing them into our facility when they're buttoned up, you know, they're dotting their I's and they're crossing their T's. Yes, sir, no, sir. You know, I don't do this, I don't do that. You know, like like you said, they're, they're polished. But when you get a chance to go to their environment, you know, I wanna soak up some of what they're soaking up, right, and usually if they tell me they're working out at eight, I'm there at seven. I wanna go and talk to some people who don't have any skin in the game. I'm talking to the janitor. Hey, what kind of guy is this? Is he always on time? Is he this, is he that? I wanna figure out who this guy is. And usually I'm gonna spend two, three hours with him, just chopping it up. I don't really have an agenda. I just wanna know who you are. Just kind of feel your vibes. And it's hard to keep that in. You know, It's easy in the combine setting, right? You got 15 minutes. I can bullshit any, anybody about anything in 15 minutes. Because the first two to three minutes is the pleasantry. Oh, hey, how's it going? I know this person. You know that person. You know, you laughing it up. And before you really get into it, the first horn is being blown. Ah, You got two minutes left. You know, so you can get out of that thing unscathed. But if it's just me and you, and we got a couple of hours just to sit back and chop it up, and whatever comes up, comes up, and we talk about it and discuss it, I, that's how I get a chance. To, now, I don't get a chance to do that with, all of the guys, but, you know, when we start talking about high draft picks, that's kind of where I get a chance to, to, to dive into it a little bit more. Okay.
0: Now, when you go out and you're, and you're with a guy, right. Mm -hmm. And you're chopping it up. What are the red flags? What are the things if a guy says, something? I mean, what are the first things right now you say, ah, I don't know if he's a seahawk?
2: Well, the first thing is, is when I call them up, you know, and I want them, I want them to plan a day. I'm not planning a day. What does your day look like? If you don't have a structure on how things are going right now and he can't tell me what his day is going to look like 2 days from now, that's one red flag. Number 2 is is he going to show up on time? Like this is this is a job interview. You know, I don't come across as this is a job interview, but if I'm calling you from the Seattle Seahawks and I'm coming down to see you, you probably should take it as this is a job interview, right? I've had guys that, you know, hey, they showed up late for for the uh, for, for the meeting and it's just like, man, you know, I do have to go back and report how my visit went. And my thing is, is I'm looking for the slightest thing. I don't want to tear anybody apart. I just want to know if this guy is going to be a fit for what it is that we're trying to do. Right. So when you, when you
0: talk to a guy and then you go back. Now, will you sit with Pete and the coaches together and go through your, what you're, what your interview was like? Do you write a report? Or how do you get that information back to yeah. the Seahawks?
2: Well, I, I usually, uh, I'll meet with John, our GM, and just kind of let him know because normally he's going to give me direction. Hey, this is a guy. Or our uh, our, um, our college director. Hey, Mo, it, 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 we got a guy here. We still need to know a little bit more about him. We still don't know enough about him. We want you to go out and spend some time with him. So usually I'll meet with who was Scott Fitter, who's now uh, the GM of Carolina Panthers, you know, uh, or Matt Berry. Uh, meet with them. They'll tell me a little bit about him. I go out and see him. I'll come back. I'll report to them. But I'll also report to John. I had a good visit with this guy. This is my thoughts on him, you know. So I'll give it directly to them. I don't usually like to write long reports or anything like that. I like to verbally give them. I write down notes. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give them my take on the individual. All right so a couple of years ago probably more more than a couple
0: now but you you go to the University of Wisconsin to see a 5'11 quarterback who transferred from North Carolina State
1: mm-hmm.
0: did you have any were there were there not red flags but were there green flags where you said this <laughs> this guy this guy right here we got to get this guy
2: well John Snyder uh was the guy who fell in love with Russ John fell in love with him and he just, he had to have him. He was intrigued by everything Russell Wilson and he just had a good feeling about him. I didn't get a chance to, I saw Russ at the, I think at the combine. Uh, I did not go out and visit with him, but it was a telling story. Uh, once we drafted him and we were lucky to be able to get him where we got him at, you know, everybody, I think, thought it was a reach getting him in the third round, but, um, when he came in, the first day he came in, he came to my office and he introduced himself, you know, my name is Russell Wilson, you know, I'm like, I know who the fuck you are, right, you know, we drafted (laughs) you, (laughs) and and he said, you know, um, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to win multiple Super Bowls here, and I'm like, get out of here, get out of here, the first time, he met, the first time time I met him, he came in my office and he told me that, and I'm like, he need to get the hell out of here. This rookie. You know, we had just <laughs> paid Matt Flynn, you know, good money, right? And I'm like, you know, Russ will be lucky to be our third quarterback, right? And, you know, long story short, you know, he comes in, he, he, he does this thing. And I actually went home and I told my wife, I said, I had an intriguing conversation today with the rookie. She was like, okay, what happened? And I told her, and she was like, okay, and? I said, yeah, I fucking believe him. No, like it was something that was eating at me. Like, why do I believe this guy? He has not, he's done nothing in this league. Had, hadn't thrown a pass in the NFL yet. Hadn't thrown yet. a pass, but how confident he came in there and said that, right? I believed him. Now, fast forward a year after the fact, this is the night before the Super Bowl. He calls me up and he's like, Mo, I need your help with something, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'll get it all taken care of. He's like, hey, you remember the first time we met? I said, yeah. He said, we're going to win the first one tomorrow. I said, oh shit, okay. <laughs> 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 and we did it, no doubt.
0: Hey, you know, one of the things that's intriguing to me and being an outsider, not not being on the inside. So I need a little inside scoop yeah. here. Dynamics of football teams are so incredible. And you know, uh, that overused word culture and all of that. But I, I watched what you guys have been able to do in Seattle Mall and You've turned over an entire defense. You, you know, I mean, you, it's amazing really the churning of the roster that you guys have done, but through all of that, you've never really rebuilt. You've always won. What is it about that? I mean, obviously Russell has a great part in that, but when you start losing Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, down and on and on, I'm talking about high profile great football players. Yep. And somehow you find a way to just keep getting W's.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, it's it's the organization. And, and it really starts from the top down. You know, it starts from the top down from Pete and John, uh, Chuck Arnold, who is our president, our team president. And it's just the culture of this, this, this organization. Like we don't, we, we never look at it as, oh man, we got to rebuild. We just reload. Right, and, and you said it, Russell obviously is a big part of that. Bobby Wagner is a big part of that. Those two guys, we were fortunate enough to draft those two guys in the same draft, right? So we drafted Bruce Irvin, the first pick, then we got Bobby Wagner and then we got Russell. You know, those, those three guys, I mean, you know, those two guys have been the cornerstone of our franchise for, for 10 years and how they go about their work. You know, when your best players are your hardest workers, and your head coach is always about competing. Like that is Pete Carroll to his core and John Snyder. They always compete that, you know, it's just like doing things better than they've ever been done before. And that's the mentality. And when guys get here, they understand that we're gonna treat them with respect. We're gonna love up on them, but we're gonna push them and we're gonna be demanding as well. You know, I think guys can respect that. You know, is nobody gonna be talked down to, you know, everybody, has a space or a say in this in this organization. And as long as you come here and you work and you got the right attitude, we will win. Okay,
0: now, that is such a double-edged sword because you know, you played professionally. Yep. yep. When you compete as hard as you guys do, and I mean, your practices are full on, mm-hmm. full speed, offense against defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, competitive, competitive but yet there's no division. There's no, none, none that I can see as I watch your football team. There's no, well, you know, the offensive line can't protect the quarterback or the defense defense can't run, whatever, you know, all of, how those clicks can start mm-hmm. in the football team. How do you avoid that? How do you keep, be so competitive, so hyper competitive offense against defense all
2: week long, but yet when Sunday comes, it's one team and one thought. Well, I, I tell you this, it's a, uh... We've over the years now. We've had our fair share of, you know, some dustups now. Like this is this is like the height of dysfunction now. Like this is a damn circus inside here. <laughs> don't don't ever get that twisted, you know. But it's our circus, right? And and we know that our guys and how competitive they are. I mean, they can be fighting each other and then they blow the whistle and it's time for practice to be over with and they're walking off the field ho- hugging each other. You know, it's like, it's like your brother, right? You can fight his ass, but nobody else is going to fight, right? Or we're going to be fighting together. And so that's the love of this organization, the brotherhood, that we're going to compete our ass off to make each other better. When Sunday comes, that's the easy part. All right. Now I see a, I see
0: a video of OTAs and your 70 year old head coach is in a is in a strip drill with a quarterback, I think it is. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, he's he's ripping at the he's on the
2: ground. He tackles the guy and trying to rip the ball out. I, I, that's I, I, I mean that's that's Pete to his goal, man. again. If you ever get a chance to come up and visit and just watch practice, he's throwing the ball around constantly. He's running around. You know, when the drill ends, he's running to the other end of the field. Like he's constant lunchtime, he's playing basketball in his khakis. That's just that's him. <laughs> all right, now, true or not
0: true, all right? True or not true, because I have heard this saga, story, legend, whatever you okay. want to call it. Russell Wilson. Is walking out of the parking lot the night before the first his first game as a Seahawk, mm-hmm. and Pete's and Pete's shooting baskets on that hoop you guys got outside. Okay. And Pete tells Russ to come on over, and they start shooting baskets together. And then just in the middle of the conversation, he goes, "Oh, oh, Russ, you're starting tomorrow. Is that true?"
2: I I, I believe that is true. I I. I... I can't confirm that but I think is that sounds like Pete and how he would do it you, you know <laughs> that's that sounds true
0: All right, now you you mentioned something you hit on something I was going to talk to you about this too because it fascinates me you know it, you haven't had all choir boys up there oh. all right and you've had guys that haven't fit other places you've had guys that came with baggage you've had you know I mean You've had guys like Richard Sherman, who is incredibly intelligent, but mm-hmm. also very, very outspoken. He's going to speak his mm-hmm. mind. Michael Bennett, mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch. I mean, go on and on and on and on and on. How do you how do you empower the player to speak his mind, but recognize that that there is a place where you don't step over the line?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the number one thing is is you know we we have no problem with you know, guys being outspoken, you know? And it starts again from the top down. I always wanna empower our our players to use their voices in the right way, but you need to be educated on what it is that you're speaking on. And one of the things that I can always say about our guys, you know, you can say what you wanna say, they can be loud, they can be brash, but they know what the hell they're talking about, you know? And they they do their homework, you know? You can, Sharm is just always looking pretty much looking for an argument. You know, if you told him the sky was blue, he would say it's red. You know, he's just he's just that way. But by the end of that argument, you're like, well, shit, maybe it is red. <laughs> you know, but they know what they're talking about. And I just love that about all of them. You know, they're so competitive, not just on the field, but off the field and all of the things that they, they, they embody, the things that I, they believe in. All right,
0: now. I put out a video a picture of you walking on the practice field with mm-hmm. Marshawn, right? And yeah. you got your ha- you got your hat on backwards and obviously you guys are you're sharing a moment, right? Yeah. Tell us because I he fascinates me. I mean, this is my this is my nickel and dime psychology mo. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I I watched the guy real close, like real close. Okay. And I remember the Super Bowl you guys played in. I think it was the I think it was the one in New York, I think, okay? And where he wasn't going to talk to the media and Mm -hmm. that whole, that whole deal. First of all, I think the guy is really smart. I mean, like not a little bit smart, like really smart. He don't want you to know that, but he's really, really smart. And in his own way of saying it, I have heard him say some things to younger players that veterans really need to say to younger players.
2: You're absolutely right. This is one of the uh, the smartest guys that I've ever been around. He is very, very thoughtful in how he does things, you know. And he, he twists and turns things the way he wanted to go, you know. And it's not very many people can do the things that he he does the way that he do it, you know. He is really unique in how he he's going to push the boundaries. But he's very, 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 very smart, and he's he's gonna give his insight or his uh, his thoughts on things when he sees fit. Like he can touch a, a group of people that uh, a lot of people can't touch. Like he has a voice. He loves where he's from, Oakland. He represents that like all day long, and he's prideful, and he is very, very, very smart. You know. You know what. <laughs>
0: You know, you, you make—he's got a charisma that it, it it transcends racial boundaries. It transcends mm-hmm. age boundaries. It trans—like I've I've seen little old ladies that just love them some Marshawn Lynch because mm-hmm. I think people see him as being a guy that isn't afraid to say what he thinks, isn't afraid to be who he is, but yet <laughs> somewhere in behind all the gold teeth and the hat on
2: sideways and all. There's a Guys,
0: genuine good dude.
2: He, he is, let me tell you, and he may not like me saying this, but you know, um, he does so many great things that people don't know anything about and he don't want them to know. And I'll just give you some insight on, There's one day we were sitting and watching TV and something came up and um, a kid had gotten injured or I think he got killed, you know, an accident. And he wanted to take care of the funeral. We called, got the information, boom. They didn't know who did it. He didn't want them to know, but he took care of, he took care of everything. You know, wow. like he, wow. he makes moves like that. But then he, let me tell you another side of it. So <laughs> he got fined for something, right? And I'm just like, no, you shouldn't have got fined for that. You know, he's like, man, you need to take care of this. I'm like, well, first of all, I don't work for you. He's like, man, I, I, you know, <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, I don't work for you, but I'll work on, you know, you know he's like okay cool, he came back in there he's like hey man did you ever uh get that taken care of you know, I was like yeah I'm I'm gonna call I'm gonna call him and uh get that all squared away. I said uh he's like I thought you said you don't work for me, I was like you know what man screw you man. <laughs> <laughs> but he but he said it just to get under your skin. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Hey, Mo, we got a lot of questions from Seahawk fans all over. Um, yeah. got, you got a couple minutes. You can answer some yeah. questions from yeah. our from our viewers. My Magic Mike, get out here and let's let's roll some questions at the big man.
1: Hi there. How's it going, lads? Yep. Uh, right. First question is from Cameron in Scotland. Head coach, did you ask Mo how they managed to get a COVID free season last year? It was pretty amazing. All things considered.
2: Well, let me tell you. Uh by the grace of God, number 1. Uh the state of Washington was was shut down, but then again, you know, I think it's a credit to our coaching staff, our players, uh Sam Ramston, who kind of over he he oversaw everything. You know, we we just did a good job, you know, of just trying to stay on top of things and you know, we got tested every day, but still that doesn't uh dictate how our guys move when they left the building so I would say that we were lucky on that but then again I would say that every everybody was mindful of everybody else
0: appreciate that uh give them the one give them the one about the 12s because I, I about having a stadium packed again because
1: that one I like that one and um, there's yeah this is I think this I think this is the one if it's not I apologize. From Mark Jones in Dublin, will will the reintroduction of fans for the upcoming season mean that the 12th man will be louder than normal in the Pacific Northwest? And did the games with no fans attending have a detrimental effect on players' performance, more so in Seattle last season?
2: Okay, the first one, uh, I don't think they're going to be any louder than they're, you know, like they're always loud, you know, so... They're going to be – they they just had a whole year to rest their voices. <laughs> uh, but I, I expect for them to be out in full force, and we're definitely going to need them this year. And do I think that played a big part in this? I do, especially at home, because that's a home field advantage for us.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think there's any question about it. You go yeah. up in that stadium, and you can't hear yourself think on offense. And it's how many best- times – all those false start penalties you guys usually yes. get and the, the momentum that that crowd brings. Cause like you say that they, they've had a whole year to rest those vocal yes. cords, man. It's going to be deafening in that joint. Man,
2: I've seen some amazing things that happen in, 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 the, in that stadium. I mean, I just sit back and I just watch and I'm just like, oh, something amazing will happen. Like it's, it's a magical stadium, man. And I, I've seen so many different things from room Romo, Fumbling the snap in the in the in the preseason to us playing one of the worst games, then us winning the game at the end to go to the Super Bowl and you know NFC Championship game. I mean, just amazing game. Eleven false starts against the Giants in in that stadium. I mean, it's been amazing stadium and to have those fans back in there, man, we can't wait.
1: Another question, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Right, there's one from a guy that watches every week, Fred Flunk, and, and Jeff, who, who he is. he's from Ireland. He gave a question, but I'm going to actually give this on his actual question. He says, what's the next big move for Seattle? And then he actually texts me two minutes later and says, is Pete Carl the sort of guy that you, that, that would be good to go on a party with? He seems to be that sort of mm-hmm. fun.
2: <laughs> every day is a party with Pete. <laughs> that, that, is, that is definitely for sure. You know, you got to be... You know, he kind of fly by the seat of his pants, man. You know, we're always moving and shaking. It's always something going on. We're always competing, whether it's shooting hoops or doing whatever it is that we're doing. We're going to always compete. All right, whose idea was it when you brought DK
0: into the room after you drafted (laughs) him into the coach's room, and all of a sudden
2: Pete stripped his shirt off, and he went, well, let's see, want to have a flex down with DK? I wasn't in that, (laughs) So one of our scouts, uh, I think it was Matt Berry. I think Matt told him uh, when DK was walking in, I was kind of behind the chalkboard. He told him, hey, take, take, take your shirt off, show him, show him your ass." And you know, again, Pete just flying by the seat of his pants. He seen him come <laughs> in and strip his shirt off. So he was like, shit, I'm gonna take mine off too. <laughs> All right, now we got one question about,
0: the, about a, f- a football question about the offensive line. Can you pull that one up, Michael?
1: I will do my best. The good thing is this is recorded so I can add it afterwards. Uh, I can't find one in the offensive of the line. There's one about Vegas. There's one about uh I'll I'll ask it because I remember it, right? Okay. Go for it. Go for it.
0: Sorry, man. Is the offensive line gonna keep Russell on two feet this year? And that was from a UK Seahawker. I
2: oh. mean, okay, first of all, what kind of damn question is that? That's their <laughs> job. <laughs> <in> the <way. laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think that you know, everybody wants to do well. I mean, they want to keep Russell upright, but again, the other side gets paid as well, right? They want to they want to knock his damn head off. Well, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, especially when you you realize what he's
2: worth to your offense. I yeah, mean, absolutely. You, uh,
0: I don't no, think so there's I, any question you know, about
2: that. Yeah, our offensive line. I mean. They're going to be, they're going to be, you know, raring to go to do their best to to protect Russ and the running game as well.
0: Michael, give me one, give me one more, and then we're going to have to call it, call it a show. I'm going to jump in with
1: one just because I can. Uh, international player pathway. One of my favorite videos, Mo, was that video of Pete Carl. I think you were behind him or somebody was behind him clapping. You got uh-huh. the German guy, uh, Aaron uh, Donko. Aaron. I probably pronounced his surname wrong, but have you had a chance to meet Aaron yet?
2: Yeah,
1: his name Aaron. Aaron, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. He's he's been amazing. He's been amazing. He's uh one of the first ones in the building and one of the last ones to leave. And you know, he's taking part in our rookie success program and he's uh in there, he's asking questions and it's it's a you know, this is it's great to have this uh, uh this program and he's been great for us. We're looking forward to having him all year.
0: Mo, I got to tell you, again, I love you. Always, Let Will, always. You. No uh, doubt. And I, I want to say thank you for coming on and giving us this time. It's it's really an awesome thing when we can get this kind of inside information yeah. from a guy that's guy that's so critical part of the Seahawks' success. And um, we wish you guys continued success. Hi, take care of that beautiful family of yours. Yeah, and I hope,
2: absolutely. I,
0: I hope I see you down the road real soon.
2: Yeah, man. Anytime, you know, any, anytime. And and because of you, I got this opportunity and I appreciate everything that you've ever done for me.
0: Love. Ah, Love. All right. Take care, my brother. Take it easy. Aloha. Thank you.